if I show you a picture, I am quite certain you see it, you're going to remember exactly where you were the moment this event happened. Where were you on September 11th, 2001? It's hard to believe, just looking at the picture, that it's been 20 years since this event. For me, I was a student at Harding University. I skipped chapel that day. And I woke up to a friend saying, hey, look, these buildings are on fire. And I remember just the, the tension and the, the anxiety and the confusion and all the emotions that went with this day. And it's one of those days that you remember. But what, what's so interesting about this event is this day was not the start of the attack. The attack started years before with planning and orchestrating and training and, and all of the things that they did for these terrorists to be able to pull off this event. And it wasn't until the months and even years later that we started to, to learn about how um, strategic this plan was and just how deep it went. I, I think for most of us as followers of Jesus, we live in this world with this mindset that everything is good and we forget this really, really basic truth that I am at war. Not, not that I'm at war with other people, with other organizations, but there is this spiritual battle that is happening below the surface that we don't see and so often we don't even acknowledge exists. But you and I are at war. And I, I think one of the things you're going to find interesting in this series as we talk about the war of prayer is we're not going to spend a lot of time talking specifically about prayer in the way and the manner that you think of prayer. Where we sit down and we, we cross our hands or, or we put our hands in our lap and we bow our head and we, we recite these words. And, but, but what I want to talk about in this series is this very real battle for our heart, our mind, and our soul that happens beneath the surface. And, and if you missed last week, I would love to invite you to go back and watch the video because I, I talked about how this past year has really affected and impacted me. And, and the struggle that I've battled um, through depression and anxiety, especially here in the last several months, to, to the point that I just said, I'm not okay right now, and that's okay. And maybe some of you, I know this morning, ask me, hey, how are you doing? And I, I'm trying to answer honestly and truthfully, like, I'm, I'm okay. That's, I'm not great right now. And I really wish I was. I, I wish there was this magic pill to, to get back. But this is a battle, and what I want you to understand in this series, and the reason I'm talking about it, is not because, hey, I'm going to give you some feel-good, feel-better um, prescription. But I'm going to talk about, during this series, how prayer is this battle and this war for our heart, soul, and mind. That this battle is so important 
for your life and for mine. Because the purpose of prayer, most of the time we talk about prayer and we think about it in terms of let's get God to do what we want him to do. Here's how my life is going and here's what I need God to do and I need him to step in. Um, we, we talk about it in, in terms of, well, prayer works. Right? Prayer works. And what do we mean by that usually? Well, God answered in the way that we thought he would or should or could. But the purpose of prayer is not that we would get God to do what we want. But the purpose of prayer is that we would be properly formed. That prayer is a formational practice. And it is a key component, maybe the most important component and weapon in fighting this battle. And last week, if you were here, we looked at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Going on, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they, the weapons, have divine power, the power of God to demolish these strongholds. So go, go back, just a sec, sorry. <laughs> the, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons that everyone else fights with. Not words, not physical weapons that we hold on to. But the weapon that he's talking about, I think, is what he talks about in Ephesians chapter 6. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And it can cut heart and soul. And I think so often we hear that and we think, well, that's the weapon that we're supposed to use to go fight the battles outside of this place. But the greatest battle that you fight with the sword of the Spirit is right here inside of each of us. That, that sword is supposed to cut deep into your own heart and life so that you would be transformed in a way that you can impact the rest of the world. That that sword is supposed to do its work deep within you. And so he says this in, in verse, or verse 5, sorry. We demolish the arguments, and, and I think a lot of times those arguments are internal. And every pretension, the things that we're thinking, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so we talked about this idea that we take these thoughts captive. Almost this picture in your mind, just grabbing this thought that you have inside your head, pulling it outside and examining it and looking at it and asking, is this the truth of God or is this a lie of Satan? And so you had some homework. And I tried to send you some reminders this week that you have homework. And if you didn't do it, um, all the elders are going to be in the back after this is over and you will need to go confess your sins. But the hope is that you would take the time to write these thoughts down, these thoughts that you have, and do what I called a thought audit. To actually think about the things that you think about. To, to think about what goes on in your mind, because what goes on in your mind directs your life. It moves you in certain directions. 
And so the assignment last week was simply this, to identify the lie. To, to do that thought audit and to write these thoughts down and then to identify those that are lies. Those that are helping to fight that battle within you that is wreaking havoc on your heart, on your soul, and on your mind. Because your strongest thoughts will determine the direction of your life. Your strongest thoughts will determine the direction you go. And so we talked about this cycle, this pattern that's in our life. And the way that we think affects how we feel. And how we feel affects what we do. And what we do affects what we think. And what we think affects what we feel. And so we have this thought of, I am alone. That I'm alone. And so we start to think that I'm alone, and then we start to feel that loneliness. And then we start to act in ways that continue that progression of loneliness, that make us feel more and more lonely. And then we think, and so it's this, this pattern, this pattern that we get thought, caught up in. Right? And these unhealthy patterns create unwanted ruts. Unhealthy patterns create these unwanted ruts, these ruts that we get stuck in, these ruts that we start believing, these lies that move us in certain directions that's difficult to get out of. And the problem is the pattern. The problem is the pattern. And so what I want to spend just a little bit of time this morning talking about is how we identify those lies and then we replace them with truth. Again, this is not just some feel-good, here, here's what you do. And so when we define truth, what I want you to understand, what we're talking about, is the truth that flows out of your identity in Jesus Christ. That if you are a child of God, that you've been baptized into Christ and into this kingdom and into this new world, then you have this new identity that no one else gets to say anything else about because God's word has spoken on it. So when we define truth, that is what we're talking about. This is not the Saturday Night Live special, you know. Um, you know, I, what is I, what, what did they say? Doggone it, people like me. I don't, I don't remember what the, what was the first part of that? I'm good enough, yeah. This is not what we're talking about when we're talking about truth. Just feeling better to feel better. This is talking about the core of who we are as followers of Jesus. And so, the problem is the pattern. So here's what Romans and Paul says about the pattern. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... Because of who God is, because of God, what God's done, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. For some reason, that, does not, that word should be their worship. Going on to verse 2, he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Right? And I think here he's talking about this pattern of thinking. Don't think like everyone else thinks. 
Don't allow that to become what gives you identity. And and as I've told you, the last several months as I've struggled with the depression, the anxiety, it is the lies that I have been listening to that have been shaping and forming my identity. Because I've been listening to those lies. And what I think affects how I feel. And how I feel affects what I do. And what I do affects what I think. It's a pattern. And the problem is the pattern. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Be changed. And I think into a new pattern. To a different pattern. But this new pattern has a purpose. That you would be transformed, going on, he says, by the renewing of your mind. Where where does this transformation start? Where does it begin? It begins right here. It begins right here on this battleground. And I promise you, it is a war at times to continue to believe the truth about your identity in Christ when you continue to hear the lies of Satan all around you informing and shaping your identity. Because the more you start to listen to them, the more you will begin to believe that they are true. And the more you believe they are true, the more and more it will shape your identity. And so what we said last week is we got to hijack our thoughts and our actions. We can't just live life based on how we feel. We have to hijack our thoughts and actions. We have to look at them. We have to make them obedient to Christ. But if we're going to do that, we have to understand the truth about them. We have to understand where they come from. But what what I want you to understand is is he talks about not conforming to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a process. It does not happen overnight. I heard a psychologist talk several years ago that every single day you hear about 3,000 negative comments. From people, from social media, from commercials. Commercials telling you that you're not good enough. And your 2013 Camry is not good enough. But if you will buy this 2021 Toyota Tundra, your life will be better. And if that's true, i got some bad news because you can't buy one of those right now. But 3,000 times a day you hear negative comments. And that same psychologist said it takes seven positive comments to erase one negative. Now, I want you to think about all of the lies that play in that inner monologue in your head every single day. And here's what's crazy for it. That Recording never 
stops playing in our head. It never stops running. And so somehow we have to replace those lies with truth. With a dialogue or monologue that never stops. I wonder how many of us are caught in this pattern. And you've allowed the lies, those ruts, to form your identity in a way that you have forgotten who you are. So like I said, this is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. This morning, um, so every single Sunday, uh, I go to my office and Mike and Warner and David Litton, they come in and they pray over me um, just before I go preach. And Mike walks in every single week um, and he says, hey, how's your heart today? How are you doing? And today I said, I'm okay. I'm just okay. And I told him, I want to be able to say I'm great. I'm doing so well. But his words were simply, when you seem to deplete yourself and your energy, it takes a while to fill that back up. And I want, I don't want to process, right? I just want to snap my fingers and speak these truths and just everything go back to normal and everything feel right again. And it doesn't happen. And in fact, Jesus never promises that it will happen that way. That this transformation, this inner transformation, this inner monologue is a process that takes time and energy and effort. And so, again, we are defining the truth that flows out of our identity in Christ. And he says this, he goes on then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so what we're going to do, and this is one of those things that, um, I'll just tell you, a book that's really helped me over the past year is called Winning the War in Your Mind, and a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about in this series, I've taken straight from there, because it's helped me with this kind of a, a way to pray. And just forming the way that I'm trying to pray every single day. And so I'm hoping that it's helpful um, to you as well. But what we're going to do is we're going to replace those lies with trenches of truth. See, we talked about last week the ruts that form in our life. We talked about my lab in Cleburne, Texas, Kramer, who formed the ruts in our yard. And one thing that you'll know, notice about ruts, are ruts are very unintentional. No one plans on a rut. They just appear. They appear from your dog. They appear from your car driving on your grass. They appear for so many different, different reasons. They appear as the water comes off your house and forms the ruts around the side because it doesn't, you don't have gutters or it doesn't flow the right direction. Ruts are very unintentional. But trenches... Trenches are very intentional. For instance, this trench has a, a reason that it's here. It's going to hide this line. 
This next trench had a really important purpose of protection. That trench was there for a reason. It was dug. It wasn't just an accident that it got there. So, so a few things about trenches. Trenches, trenches are planned. Trenches are strategic, and trenches have a purpose. You, you, you don't find a trench that wasn't planned, that someone didn't purposefully dig. You don't find a, a, a trench that was not strategically thought through, and it doesn't have a purpose. And so what we're talking about is replacing these lies with trenches of truth. Digging those trenches of truth deep, deep, deep into our heart, our soul, and our mind. And so what we're going to do, if you did your homework last week, okay, is we're going to identify the lie. So we have our lie. And then we're going to declare truth. And out of that truth, we're going to write a declaration. Okay. Let, let me show you kind of what I mean. So maybe the lie is I feel alone. I'm alone. And like I said, we start to think it. We start to feel it. We start to do it. But there is so much in God's word that tells us that we are not alone. And, and so what, what you do is you go through and you start writing down all of those truths from God's word that reminds you that you are not alone, that you're not in this by yourself. And out of that, we're going to write a declaration. A, a declaration is this formal statement. We, we'll say a declaration of war, right? That we're going to war. And these declarations are our declarations of war. And so maybe the declaration that we write is this, God is near, call on him. Come to him weak and weary, and he will give me rest. When I go through difficult times, I am not alone. I will not, or he will not leave me or forsake me. And so that entire declaration is taken straight out of God's word. And every day when I start to think, okay, I feel alone. I feel like I'm in this by myself. I feel like no one else is going through what I am going through. There's this declaration that I can speak over my life. God is near. Call on him. Come to him weak and weary, and he will give me rest. And when I go through difficult times, I am not alone. He will not leave me or forsake me. Maybe the lie is that you, you believe that you are a sinner. I am a sinner. And here's the declaration. Yes, I am a sinner saved by grace through faith in Jesus. He paid the ultimate cost to set me free from the power of sin and has given me life and I am a new creation. I'm addicted and I'm stuck in this trap and I cannot get out and there's nothing that I can do. And he says, God will give me strength. To stand in the face of temptation. He loves me, lives in me, and will empower me to stand strong when I don't think I can. There, there is so much to fear in this world. There, there are the racial battles. There, there are the political battles. There are so many things going on, and I don't know what to do, and I'm afraid. But there's a declaration. Be anxious about nothing but give all my anxiety over to God who loves me and cares for me and his peace will flood my soul. Be strong and courageous. 
Maybe the lie you believe is I am unwanted. No one wants anything to do with me. No one cares about me. And the declaration could simply be this. God so loved the world that he gave his son for you. There is nothing else in this world that could possibly show how wanted you truly are. Maybe the lie is my life is a waste. And as that pattern continues to develop, you start to believe that. And it starts to shape your identity. Maybe the declaration is simply this. God knit me together in my mother's womb. I am not a mistake. And my life is not a waste. God has a plan for my life. Lean on him and not my own understanding. And he will direct my paths. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Maybe the lie you believe is that God cannot be trusted. And the declaration could simply be this. God loves me more than I love myself. He knows me more than I know myself. He has my best interest in mind, and he can be trusted. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. He is the everlasting rock. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Maybe the lie is everyone is against me. And I believe that, but this is the declaration. God is for me. He wants the best for my life. God is working all things for good in and through my life. He is for me, or if he is for me, then no one can stand against me. My battle is never against others. It's always against the powers of the evil one. He is the father of lies. And so what we do is we take those lies that we want to believe, that we try so hard to push out, and we say, okay, no, there is truth that speaks directly in opposition to that. Because of my identity in Christ Jesus. And so every morning when I wake up, the very first thing I try to do is grab those declarations. And just read them and let them fill my mind and my heart and my soul. And through the day, as those thoughts start to pop up, those lies I start to listen to start to come to the forefront of my mind, I grab those declarations and I remind myself of what is true in my life. But like I said, this is a process. And I would say the process begins with you just sitting down, identifying those lies and then declaring the truth over them. And out of that truth, writing these declarations. And I I would hope that you wouldn't take a picture of something that I wrote that's personal to me. My hope is that you would comb through the scriptures. And you would allow God's word to speak to you. Empower. Because we believe that has the power to transform, right? It's the renewing of our mind. And the purpose is for our transformation, that we would be changed, that God loves you enough that he's not going to leave you where you are right now, but you have to do the hard work to move. You can't just sit still and say, I hope it gets better because it won't. 
You have to begin to dig those trenches of truth deep, deep, deep into your heart, soul, and mind. So what do we do? First, we write it. We write it down. And and please don't skip that part. Just with the lies, don't think through them. Write them. Write them out. Read them. Know those are lies of of Satan. And the same thing with the truth. Don't just listen to it. Write it down. Like grab a paper and pencil. Go old school and write it out. Don't copy and paste. Write it. So we write it. We think it. We, we start to dwell on it. That, that becomes our prayer every day. It becomes our prayer every single day. We confess it over ourselves. And then finally, we do this until we start to believe it's true. How long does that take? The rest of your life. Because that battle, that internal battle that we refuse to acknowledge so often, never stops. It never stops. And I don't care if you're in a place where everything in your life is good, you're going to go through times where you have these ups and downs. And what I can tell you, if you're in a good place right now, go back and listen to some of the lies that still get in. Go back to listen to some of the lies that you have believed before and write and and develop those trenches of truth right now because there will come a day when you will need them. And if those trenches are already there and already in place, it will be so much easier to defend yourself. We are at war. And this battle is not easy. This battle is not quick. Everything, everything is at stake. Everything is at stake. Father, we thank you that we do have your word. This sword that we battle the forces of the evil one. And Father, so often this battle occurs in our mind. It it occurs in our mind, and it is our our mind, our heart, our soul that needs to be renewed. It needs to be refreshed. It needs to be restored. We need to reclaim. And Father, your word gives us the power to do that. If, Father, we would simply listen to it, and we would allow that truth to form our identity in Christ. Father, help us as we seek to follow you. Help us as we follow Jesus with all that we are. Father, restore us. Renew us. Make us more like Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.